Well, we've been, we've been digging into actually a, a pretty cool uh, sermon series, and, and it's called uh, Christmas, the Promise Fulfilled. And how, how cool is that? I mean, we're looking at Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled at the time of Jesus' birth. There, there's not much cooler than that to think that, that back then, hundreds of years earlier, they're already prophesying about the coming Jesus. And it's so amazing. And we've looked at two so far, and we're going to look at a third today, and then we've got one more to go next week. But we looked at, uh, at John the Baptist. How many knows who John the Baptist is? Have you guys seen the deals? I mean, this guy's out there eating honey and wild locusts and getting crazy out there, right? Well, there was a prophecy about him in Malachi that a man with the spirit of Elijah would come. And if you know about Elijah, now that dude was crazy, right? I mean, that dude come off the top rope many times. And so John the Baptist, I think, was maybe even a little bit crazier than Elijah was. So we talked about that, and then last week we talked about something really cool, right? I mean, how many people in here have been affected by Satan? I mean, is there a few of us? I know I have. I know I have. And to hear the prophecy about when Jesus is born and about how he is going to step on the serpent's head and take Jesus or take Satan's authority from him and give authority to us so that we don't have to be beat up by that guy anymore. That's a cool thing, amen? That's an awesome thing. And today, we're going to just keep the cool coming. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a prophecy from a very small book in the Old Testament, the book of Micah. The book of Micah. So we, uh, we sang that Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And, uh, and that's actually a direct quote. It's a reference to this prophecy from the little Old Testament book of Micah that we're going to look at in just a minute. But all week long, I've been thinking about uh, the little town of Bethlehem. How many of you would say you're from a little town, what, however that is defined for you? Lots of people. How many are from larger towns? Okay. How many of you did not like being from a little town? Okay, some of you. You did like being from a little town. All right, well, there it is. You just blew my whole setup. So um, (laughs) I said in first service that nobody wants to be from a little town, but evidently that's not necessarily true. But, you, you know, there really is kind of a big town, small town rivalry that, it, that exists in most places, right? Like it happens right here, Bozeman versus Belgrade. There's kind of that rivalry. And, and if you've lived here for any length of time, you know that Bozemanites tend to kind of look, their, look down their noses at Belgradians and they hurt your feelings and, you know, all that 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 sports teams are rivals and and it's just this big versus little thing right and some of you like like being the underdog so you're good with that but uh but sometimes being little is just kind of not a great thing uh do you remember uh, like me when you were growing up and you would go like to the state fair or something and you go to the carnival rides and there was that sign that said you must be this tall to ride this ride do you remember that Okay, I can remember doing that, and, and I was at the age where I was tired of the kiddie rides, didn't want to ride, you know, the little ducks going around anymore. I wanted, I wanted to get in the cool kids' rides, but you had to be this tall, and, and I can remember my dad saying, no, little Russell, you're just too little, you're, you're not, and, and I'm standing on my toes trying to get taller, right? But uh, you're, you're just too little, and you just want to be big. Everything in you just wants to be big. 
And uh, eventually I started growing, and I kept growing and growing and growing. And when I stopped growing up, I just started growing out, and, uh, and I just keep growing. And, uh, and now I have exactly the opposite problem. A few years ago, Chris and I were with her whole family in Texas for a wedding, and uh, we went to SeaWorld in Austin, I think it was, or San Antonio, SeaWorld, and there's all these rides, and I love roller coasters. Any roller coaster lovers? I love roller coasters. And they had this cool roller coaster where you're actually hanging on the ride. So your legs are swinging, you know what I'm talking about? And they strap you in, and, and the carney's helping me get all, all into the ride, and, and he goes to strap this thing around my midsection, and he's just tugging and tugging and, and tugging. And finally he says, I'm sorry, sir, you're just too big. And um, just, right, it's awful, right? Because you just, you just feel like you're not good enough. And so some of you know what I'm talking about if, you, if you've been little, you know, or some of you, you know what I'm talking about because you're just too big. There's always something, right, in your life. You're, you're too little, you're too big, you're not smart enough, you're, you're not this, you're not whatever it is for you that makes you feel small. You know what I'm talking about? You feel like you've been passed over, that you're insignificant, that you're unimportant. I I can remember middle school was the worst, right? Junior high, whatever it was for you. Uh, and, And you're just not one of the cool kids, right? At this point in my life, looking back, I'm wondering if anybody was part of the cool kids, you know? Because I think we all have felt at some time or another that you're just not one of the cool kids. And this is what we're focusing on today when we talk about the little town of Bethlehem. This was a place that was so insignificant, you just can't believe it. And so if you want to turn with us to the book of Micah, you're welcome to, but uh, this one verse is going to be up on the screen that we're taking a look at today from this uh, really kind of small book in the Old Testament, a prophetic book, by the prophet Micah. And in chapter 5, verse 2, this is what we read. It's up on the screen here. Uh, The prophet says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, and I'm just going to pause right there. Bethlehem was a name that meant house of bread. And it was a very common name for towns in that region. And in fact, when this prophet Micah was writing to this town, he put the name Ephrathah on there, which is a tribal name, because he wanted to distinguish this Bethlehem from the, all the other little towns of Bethlehem that were in that region. There wasn't just one. There were a bunch of them. And this particular one was easy to be passed over. And he says... You, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. In other words, this town was so small that when they made the list of towns in Judah, in that region, when they would make the list, this town didn't even make the list. It was that little. It was insignificant. It was overlooked. And it uh, kind of reminds me of some of the towns in Montana that, that some of us have maybe never heard of, or maybe you have and you don't even know where they are, like Two Dot, Montana. You know where Two Dot is? Driven by Two Dot. Um, I've always wondered why they named it Two Dot and where One Dot is. You know, it's, <laughs> it must be somewhere around there. Um, Bruce and I were talking about places. There's funny, 
there's funny little towns in Montana, Lolo, you know, who named it Lolo and why? I, I think my favorite one is Ikalaka. It's just kind of fun to say, Ikalaka. You kind of have to say it like that too, Ikalaka. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Anybody from Ikalaka? All right, good. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to insult anybody. But, you know, if you've ever driven past any of these little towns in Montana with funny names, it, Bethlehem was probably like that. It, it, if you blink, you're going to miss it. And that's how Bethlehem was. And the prophet Micah said, you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, you're too little to be even listed among the clans of Judah. And, and here's the promise. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. And friends, this is a prophecy about the Messiah. This is a prophecy about Jesus coming from this little town of Bethlehem. And you might be wondering why I'm making a big deal about how small this little town is. Well, it's because of this. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Kings aren't born in towns like Bethlehem. Kings aren't born in towns like Bethlehem. It'd be like the, the, the future king of England being born in Ekalaka, okay? <laughs> Kings aren't born in Ekalaka or Tudot or Bethlehem Ephrathah. Kings are born in big cities. They're born to important families. They're born in great comfort. They're, they get the best medical care. They get beautiful clothing. They, they get pomp and circumstance and trumpet blasts and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know what I'm talking about because we've just had a future king of England be born in our world today. And, and, and you know what it's like. Take a look at this video just to refresh your memory. And you know, it's the same now as it's been for centuries. It's all about the clothes and the queen's purse and, you, you know, all the pomp and circumstance and the beauty and the royalty and the majesty. Kings aren't born in towns like Bethlehem, but Jesus was. And, and, and there's a message that is being sent to us even in the place that Jesus was born. If you're taking notes, uh, you can jot this down. And I think this is really cool. Jesus wasn't just born in an insignificant little town. Jesus was born in a barn in an insignificant little town. Let me say that again. Jesus wasn't just born in an insignificant little town. He was born in a barn in an insignificant little town. But that being said, his birth didn't go unnoticed. I mean, can, can you imagine the photo? And here we have Mary, dressed in white and blue, breaking down, and Jesus in a swaddling dew. <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> if you could, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. We're, we're going to be going there. And, and I want to emphasize again, you know, even though he's born in this little town of Bethlehem, his birth didn't go unnoticed. It didn't go unnoticed. There's some very, very significant, important people of that day and that time who knew exactly what was going on. Mm -hmm. And we pick it up in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. 
And they were saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, we're talking about the Magi here, and, and as some people call them, and, or some people call them the wise men. But they were, they were really astrologers. And they had been studying um, the Jewish way and the Jewish prophecies. And so when they saw this star in the sky, it was of great impact to them. Now, I was watching, anybody watch Duck Dynasty? Anybody? So, well, you know. So I watched their, their Christmas one here. It was an hour special. Wow, we were treated. And um, they, did a, they did this whole play. And Cy Robertson was one of the, the Magi. And I don't know if you saw it, but Cy was all excited because he got to bring frankincense to the scene. Not frankincense, but frankincense. So if you saw that, that's not what these guys were like. They weren't Cy Robertson, or not, not that he's a bad guy or whatever. These were very influential people, very wealthy people, very well-read and, and, and um, scholastically smart people. And they were watching and they were waiting. And they saw the star. We pick it up in verse 3. When Herod the king had heard this, he was troubled. All of Jerusalem and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And this is where we pick up something really interesting and, and, and I think very impacting when you look at it and study it. Matthew says this. And he's quoting the prophet Micah. He says in Matthew 2 and verse 6, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. He says, you're by no means least. That's not what Micah said. Mm -hmm. That's not what he said at all. Micah said, who are too little. Micah was calling Bethlehem this little place. But Matthew comes on the scene and he says, Christ is born there and you've gone from being little to by no means least. It's impacting. When Jesus shows up, something happens. And it goes from being little to being a big deal. You know, you may feel little, but Jesus can change that in your life. It's huge. Jesus comes. Doesn't matter how little you feel or how little the situation or how little things are. And all of a sudden, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. I mean, think of Bethlehem now. I mean, nobody thought of it like Pastor Russ said, but now everybody knows Bethlehem. When you think of Israel, it's probably... You're either thinking Bethlehem or you're thinking Jerusalem, right? Right. So Jesus makes this thing a big deal. If I like t- when he does that. Well, I, I need to reset my drawing because I'm up here. While I'm talking, I'm actually, actually doing my Etch-a-Sketch. And then when I feel I've got to redraw it or I don't like what I did. Sorry. It's all good. So if you're, <laughs> Come on. 
It just gets done. So if you're taking notes and you got your note cards, write this down or fill in the blanks. Matthew changed the prophecy about Bethlehem from you're too little to you're by no means least. Now, Matthew can do that because, right? He's writing the Bible. He's allowed. But he changes it from you're too little to you're by no means too least. Very significant. And this is what happens when Jesus is born in you. You go from being too little to being by no means least. I don't care who you are today, how small and insignificant you think your life is. Jesus can turn it around in a moment's notice. And you can go from being too little to something big. Because it's a big deal when Jesus comes into your life. It's the greatest miracle that ever takes place. It's a great thing. I remember um, years ago, well, a few years ago, and, and again, some of you have heard the story. Um, I, I was, I was going to share a different story this morning, but but um, I feel this is what I'm supposed to do, and so I'm going to do that. Um, some of you have heard this story, and, and my wife and I lived in Seattle, and we both felt it was time for us to move back to Bozeman. We felt God had called us to come back to Bozeman. And we were pastoring a church out there at that time, and we just felt like we were supposed to turn that church over. God was calling us to come back home to Montana. And there was a... a a big company called Sikorsky that was opening up a design center here in Montana, in Bozeman. And we had not submitted our application, and we found out that hundreds of people had submitted their application. And most of them probably way more qualified than I ever was. And, I mean, there were some amazing guys who had applied on this thing. Never submitted my application. And all of a sudden, we get a phone call. Actually, it was a message on our answering machine saying, hey, we've, we've got this new site in Bozeman. We'd, we'd like you to consider being our, our new lead engineer for the site, design engineer, and uh, we'd like you to come down for an interview. Now, you've got to remember that I'm thinking, what is the point of me putting in an application? Because there are so many more people that are much better qualified than I am. But God's saying, I want you to go back. And God's stepping in. And all of a sudden, I'm the only one they looked at. They didn't even look at the other applications. Mine's the only one they looked at. And they hired me on the spot. Now, if that isn't a God intervention, I don't know what it is. But, you know, at the point, I'm thinking, there's no way I can get this job. I'm so underqualified compared to these other people. I was the littlest one of the stack. But yet God got involved. And God made it happen. And I went from being the littlest one to the guy that everybody wanted. And that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing testimony. And God can do that for each and every one of you. He's got the power. Sorry. You know those annoying songs I think you were talking about in the first service? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those. I got the power. Sorry.
Wow. If I didn't have this in my hand, I would have threw it down. I got some moves I you can skip, teach you guys. You skipped a little bit ahead. Now, now. I know. Sorry. Now you ruined the punchline. He ruined it, not me. All right. <laughs> Just like Adam and Eve, it's not my fault. It's the video guy you gave us, <laughs> Pastor Russ. <laughs> wow, we're out of control now. Isaiah 42.3 in the New Living <laughs> is, is another prophesy, a, a prophecy about the Messiah that was fulfilled when he was born. And it says this, He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. That is powerful. You may feel like you're little or insignificant and you may feel like Life has been robbed from you. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is on the scene. And he wants to do something amazing. And he wants to turn that around for you. And all of that injustice that's been put your way, because life isn't always fair. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just make bad decisions. But sometimes we, lived in, we live in this cursed world and it just comes after. But the good news is, is we serve a God, like I said earlier, who is still living. Man, the one we can still thank and praise. He's still living. He's not dead. He rose so that you and I can rise with him. Amen? That is so cool. Jesus is on our side. I love this. I love this verse, Bruce, that you just read. He won't crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Some versions translate that. He won't crush the weakest reed or put out a smoldering wick. And I don't know if you've ever been in that place in your life where you just feel like the fire has gone out to the point that it, it just looks like that picture on the screen, that there's just that little ember and it's smoking and it's about to go out. Jesus isn't going to let that flame go out for you. Because when Jesus is born in you, you go from being little to being by no means least. Now, how do we get to the point in our lives where this is lived out? Every week, we want to give you a few next steps. And I've got three here that I want to share with you this morning. How do we put this into practice in our lives? And, and the first one is this. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to invite Jesus to be born in you. We, we talk a lot about being born again. And uh, in the last couple of decades, that phrase has kind of been maligned in our culture, like you're one of those born again people, right? Uh, but it's such an important biblical concept uh, because Jesus said, if you're going to have eternal life, you have to be born again. And the man he was talking to asked him, how, how can I enter into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus was saying, no, it's, it's not that. It, it's a, a new start. It's a do-over, like my wife says so often, that, that when you come to Jesus, it's like, it's like the, there's a break and, and you get a, a fresh start, a whole new start. But but it's even deeper than that. 
The Bible tells us that when we come to Jesus, his life actually is born inside of us. The life of Christ indwells us. There's a spiritual reality and a spiritual experience of Jesus living in us that brings transformation to every part of our lives. And if you've never experienced that, uh, before we finish up today, we're going to pray and give you an opportunity to have Jesus be born in you and to have a fresh, brand new start. And that's the first thing. If you, want, if you want to go from being little and insignificant and nothing to being by no means least, it starts when Jesus is born in you. So that's number one. Here's the second one. I want to encourage you to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, if you don't know the Bible, uh, if, if you haven't read much of the Bible, that, that phrase may sound unfamiliar to you. Like, you know, I, I don't go in on a Sunday morning and say to my sweetheart, sweetheart, it's time to get up and let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. I mean, this isn't part of our normal conversation, right? It's kind of, this is Bible language, right? But this is from, this, this is a part of a verse, Colossians 3.16, that says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. I want to read it in a different translation. The New Living says this, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Let me read that again. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. And then the writer of this epistle tells us how to do that. And he says, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom Jesus gives. And, and I think this is probably why many of you come to church every single Sunday. is because you know you've put it into practice in your life. You need teaching from the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the, the Bible scriptures that help us live well and live a life that's pleasing to God. We need to be taught. We need to be counseled. And it's all about Christ's teaching, finding a dwelling place in us. But then he says something that's really interesting. And, and this is where Bruce gave my, my joke away. Uh, he says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. All right, and and uh, what I said in the first service was, you, you know how you get a, a song in your head and it, you can't get it out, you know, and and it's some stupid song and it just goes over. And... Yes, <laughs> that one, <laughs> and it gets in your head and you can't get it out and it drives you crazy, right? What the writer of this verse is saying is sing, listen, listen, sing psalms, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankful hearts. Why? Because it gets the word of God into your mind and into your heart and into your spirit and pretty soon you're living differently. Because music has this amazing way of just sticking in your head. So when you're listening to songs that are full of the word of Christ, those get stuck in your head and pretty soon it changes your life. It's just a part of good Christian habits that help the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Teaching, counseling, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Make sense? And we'll just pass over what does the fox say, okay? So invite Jesus to be born in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And lastly today, friends, 
I want to encourage you, don't settle for being too little. Don't settle for being too little. I think so often we get to the place in our lives where we just take what comes to us. And I want to tell you, you don't have to. The Bible tells you that you aren't the tail, you're the head. You're not the last, you're the first. And when Jesus is born in you, you go from being little to being by no means least. Jesus came to change your life from from just taking what comes to living in victory and overcoming power and being everything that God created you to be. When Bruce and I were putting this message together this week, uh, Bruce said, you have to share this verse. It's a great one. It's not in your notes, but you can jot this down. Ephesians 3.20 says this, God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I can't even tell you. we, We could teach a whole series on this one verse alone. Let me read it one more time. God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Listen, God didn't create you to be little. He created you to be by no means least. And if Jesus is born in you, he's going to do something significant and important with your life. Don't settle for being little. Would you put your things aside? And just before we pray, I would like us to sing uh, that last verse of the Christmas carol we sang just before we started teaching together. And uh, this last verse probably went by quickly and you had coffee and donuts and you were distracted. But this last verse of that Christmas song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, it's a prayer. And would you just quiet your mind and focus in on the words of this prayer and would you... Make this your prayer as we sing it together this morning. Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us. The great glad tidings tell Oh, come to us, abide with us Our Lord, Jesus, that you will transform us by the power of your life living in us and through us. We want to see in our lives that mighty power at work in us that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we might ask or think. We want to live in that place. So Jesus, in the closing moments of this time together, 
Will you come and meet us here, I pray. Now, would you keep your eyes closed and, and, uh, and don't look around. I, I want to give everybody just a moment of privacy as we invite Jesus to come and live in us. And I just sense that this morning there's some people here that really need to go from viewing themselves as being just little and understanding that, that because Christ lives in you, you're by no means least. You're not the tail, you're the head. You're not the last, you're the first. That's the power of the life of Jesus in you. And some of you that are here today, perhaps you've never invited Jesus to be born in you. And I would love nothing more today than to pray with you to receive Jesus and experience his life living in you. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little out of the ordinary today. If, if you need Jesus to be born in you, you've never invited him to be the leader of your life. But you want to today. You want him to be born in you. I want to ask you just to stand right where you are. Nobody's looking around. I, I'm just going to ask you to take a, a big leap of faith and do something maybe a little scary and stand where you are. You're coming to Jesus and asking him to be born in you. Would you, would you stand right where you are? Thank you. Thank you so much. We've got five that are going to be, be born again today. Jesus is being born in them. Just keep your eyes closed for just a moment. Now, if you're here today and you feel little today, and you need to go from being little to being by no means least, you're ready for Jesus to move you from insignificant to great. And you need Jesus to change your identity and change the way you view yourself, change the way you live your life. I want to pray for you too. So if that's you and, and you want Jesus to change that, would you stand right where you are as well and, and join these five that are inviting Jesus into their hearts? Come on, all over this room. I know there's a bunch of us today. You need to change an identity today. I know this is hard for some of you. It's okay. Jesus is doing a work here today, and I love it. Okay, stay standing and let's pray. Jesus, I'm so grateful that when you were born in Bethlehem, you changed for all time. And the course of history, you changed the identity of that little town and you made it become by no means least. It became a very important place on the map of the world. Jesus, you're beginning that work in, in all of us who are standing here today. Jesus, I pray for these five that are standing and asking you to come and be born in them. I pray, Jesus, that you will wash their sin away, that you will transform them right now by the power of your blood at work in their lives. And for those of us, Jesus, that have stood and, and we've said, I, I just feel little and, and I need to have a new identity. I'm not the last anymore. I'm, I'm the first. I'm the head, not the tail. Jesus, these are the words that we need you to birth in us and, and we need to live our lives differently in light of who you've created us to be.
We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're king's kids. We're men and women on a mission under the anointing of God. And we're asking you, Jesus, to birth that in us through your mighty power. Now I want to ask you to do one more thing. Those of you that are seated, would you open your eyes now and find some of these people that are standing and would you surround them, go to them, uh, lay a hand on their shoulder. If you know them, you can, you can hug on them a little bit. But I would like every person who's standing to have somebody to pray with them. Okay, now would you lift your, your voices up? Those of you that know how to pray, would you pray strongly, out loud? And let's pray for Jesus to begin ministering powerfully to every single one of these people. Come on, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just give you thanks and praise today that you are changing us. As you are born in us, as your life begins to, be, to, to live in us, God, you are transforming us from the inside out. And Lord, as we lay hands on these people that are our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, we just pray, God, for your great power to come and transform every single one of them from the inside out. Jesus, we pray that your word will dwell in us richly. We pray, Lord, that as we learn and as we're counseled and as we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, Lord, we pray that the truth of your word will live in us and transform us and help us, God, to become everything you've created us to be. Jesus, transform us and help us, God, to live the life you've called us to live and not to settle for being little any longer, God. That's not who you created us to be. We thank you, Jesus. In your powerful name we pray. Everybody say amen.